You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Is silenced. Mur- Murph has silenced Murph, Murph, your mic. There I it got is. breaking news. There's a lot of buttons and knobs and switches. I got breaking news. This is big. I love how Lindsay's training right now, just watching Murph like can't find Judd's microphone. It's a conspiracy. Well, he changed seats. That's you know I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm wearing no. a lot of hats right now. I, I you're wearing you a know twinch what? hat. You Homer. he's a master. Yeah. He's a master. Nobody <laughs> blames you, Murph. You're no, right. Nobody Stop. but I'm doing Phil. Fine there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's great. I'm the one with the breaking news. Well, go ahead and break it then, Judd. All right, All right. Break, breaking news. Nope. Hi, everybody. No surprise that Kai Forbath has been jettisoned, let go, released, designated for assignment if he was a baseball player by the Minnesota Vikings this morning, meaning the kicking competition, that that kicking competition between youngster and veteran is over. Daniel Carlson's your kicker. This is a farce. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, So two things. It doesn't even really bother me that, that they elected to... Release Kai Forbath. That, okay, that Kai Forbath has lost the kicking competition. That doesn't even really bother me. If it was me, Kai Forbath would have been the Vikings kicker this season. I wouldn't have spent a draft pick on a shaky SEC kicker with a big leg because I think when it comes down to it, if it's December or January and you're in the middle of a big game, Kai Forbath has been in those situations before enough. He's 30 years old. He's been in the NFL for a long time. I don't need a rookie kicker with a pulse pounding out of his neck against mm-hmm. the... Philadelphia Eagles or whoever you play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Here's what's farcical about it, though. First guy to miss a field goal from like inside 45 yards, and that's just the end of the competition. Could you imagine oh, if baseball oh, was that way? No, 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 oh, no. If you strike out and if, miss that bat, you lose the job. If what? Da- if Daniel Carlson had missed that same field goal on Saturday, today would be all about you got to give the kid time, you got to give him a chance. The, the farce is that we all pretty much knew that you are bringing – you're bringing Forbath to camp because in in 2014 or 13, when Blair Walsh was taken in the sixth round, you immediately cut Longwell and you didn't give him competition. So basically what the Vikings did was created a full competition that yes. never existed. But, but, but at least let the guy stick around for two you. more days of practice. But here's where I'm with you. And and this is so this does not end the intrigue to me. If I looked at Kai Forbath, and you could have sat down after after last year and gone through his trouble with PATs and all that, and you could have come, I think, justifiably to the conclusion that you weren't comfortable with a Super Bowl-type team going forward with him as your kicker, then I think what you do in March is you go out and find a better veteran one. Because yeah, because I, agree. I think you're right. Or What's, just a different veteran one. Well, right? sure, but I, but I would have... But if I was looking for an upgrade, and I said, Forbath's okay, but he's not great, and the PAT misses are a definite concern, then I sit down in March and say, what veteran kicker, what what kicker, who who can we look at and say, all right, let's say it's January second round playoff game. Mm-hmm. And you trot on that field at US Bank Stadium and everyone is on their feet and it's a tie game or you're down by two and can make it. Because 
I think you're right. Daniel Carlson has a huge leg. And Blair Walsh's first year was great. But that was a much different team. And so when you are in that situation, do you really, are you comfortable saying, this kid yeah. can make it? What's wrong with Kai Forbath? Other than, yes, he's gotten a little squirrely on some extra points. And that's, it's annoying. On field goals, the last two years with the Vikings, Kai Forbath is 17 of 21 from beyond 40 yards. 17 of 21 from beyond 40 yards. I'll take that. You're telling me you're not. Yeah, I'm with you. And from beyond 50 yards, yep, he's seven of ten over the past couple of years. Yes. So you're you're 70 percent from way downtown, and you're going to make most of your 40 plus yard field goals. You're going to have to rein in the extra point thing. I would tend to say that because he's been so reliable with field goals, the extra point thing is okay. Maybe there's a little bit of a hiccup there, but it's it's not going to be as bad as it's been. What's wrong with him? I don't understand why they were so ready. If he was 38 years old, okay, but why were they so ready to bring in a rookie kicker onto a roster that's ready to win the Super Bowl? This has classic Vikings written all over it sometime in late December, early January to me. And and as I said before, I could easily see sitting down and saying, we can improve this spot, but that's one spot where not with a youngster. And And by the way, as good as Blair Walsh was his rookie year, you've been down this path. SEC kicker, struggled as a senior. You said to yourself, Mike Prefer can fix him. And in Blair Walsh's case, you fixed him for a year. Yeah. But you've been down. Why Why are you repeating? To me, Blair Walsh was a lesson, which is, as Collar said, one, you don't really draft kickers because you, you can find them. It's like use fantasy draft, football. Yeah, use, dra- use, draft, use draft picks on real positions where, where depth is desired. And to come to the same exact conclusion is really odd to me. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, here's a question. If Kai Forbath doesn't miss a field goal this past weekend, does he get cut today? Because if the answer is no, I hate to say this. it's absurd I hate that to, this was what they were waiting for. I hate that I'm going to say this, and my answer is no, I don't think he does. I think this. I think they were going to play out the charade as long. This is a perfect time for them to end the charade in their minds because he did miss one. It's so dumb. Yeah. It, it, kicking is meant to be played out over long periods of time. I mean, anything can happen in, in one given kick, and, it's, and, and, and in this situation, if he had made this kick... They would have just waited for next weekend's game, and if he misses one from fifty-two yards, it's a harder try. They would. They were just looking for the first blink from Kai Forbath, and it wasn't which kicker's going to blink first. It was when's Kai Forbath going to blink, and then we're going to cut him. Yep. So for a franchise that has had iconic missed kick after iconic missed kick, we've got two wide lefts that are going to haunt fans until they eventually exercise Super Bowl demons. Blair Walsh. In the frigid cold against Seattle, and obviously Gary Anderson. There's been other missed kicks as well. Uh, I just don't know how you can go into this season putting everything on a rookie kicker. I don't know. They they obviously see something that those of us well, do not. I think they're. I don't. I don't know if they 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 are haughty in their belief that they can. And this is the this is the Walsh story part too. They are emboldened in their belief that their special teams coordinator can take a kid who struggled his last year in college. I keep coming back to that. Both these guys struggled yeah. their last year in college that they can fix them. Blair Blair Walsh basically gave you a blueprint of of why drafting and trying to say, I can develop a big leg kicker is dangerous, and they're going right down that same path. And this is the organization that so often 
gets bitten in the ass by decisions like mm-hmm. this. And that's what amazes me. Like, doesn't somebody look at the at fate and say, you know what? We've had a lot of bad luck with these things. Let's not do this one. Rick, let's not do this. Let's not taunt let's, the football guys. Yeah, let's not let's not laugh in their face so that when we're playing a game in late December that we, we have to win, poor Daniel Carlson trots on the field and is hyperventilating and is nervous and it gets blocked or he goes wide left. Kai Forbath in his NFL career has made 86% of his field goals. And that number is even better with the Vikings. That number is... I don't know, something like 90% with the Vikings on field goals. So let's say let's say Kai is between an 85 and 90% field goal kicker right now at this stage in his life. Daniel Carlson made 80% only at Auburn mm-hmm. with wider goalposts. Mm-hmm. But he's wider goalposts. Phil, Phil, you don't understand. He's got Including a huge leg. 74% he's got that, last year. He's got that huge leg. You don't understand. You don't understand <laughs> how great that leg is, how, how seductive, attractive that leg is. It's so weird. Spillman. It's so weird. Could you imagine if other sports played out like this where, all right, in the NBA, we got one more roster spot. First guy to miss a three-pointer in this preseason game, this exhibition game in Sioux Falls. You're off the roster. What? Yep. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid, but whatever. Maybe Daniel Carlson will be the next best kicker in the NFL. I guess we'll find out. But that's he the breaking news. Season. Yep. Kai Forbath has been released by the Vikings. You know the Vikings are going to face some team late in the season. Through a tough schedule, they're grinding for a playoff spot, trying to get that 10th, 11th win. And someone's going to pick up Kai Forbath, and he's going to face the Vikings. It's going to be Kai Forbath's leg with a playoff spot on the line or something. It could be Week a division 17. opponent. It could be a division opponent. I, I could see that. Like the Bears. The Bears or Packers. Somebody, yes, you're right. It's totally going to happen. Yep, and he'll beat them. And they'll be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, we still, we still really liked. And, and what's worse is, what's worse is, Kai Forbath's kick will beat them, but th- but there will be time left. They'll drive down the field and put it on the shoulders of Daniel Carlson from like 53 yards, and he'll miss. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, all right, Kai Forbath, it was a good run. When they signed him a couple years ago, he he directly replaced Blair Walsh, right? There was no yeah. kicker between him and Blair Walsh. They, they worked out a few guys, so, and they signed him. You're right. I don't know if I would have expected as much success with field goals as Kai Forbath gave the Vikings, but... Six five one six four six eight two five five. If you want, if you have Vikings kicker thoughts, kicker vent lines. The vent lines are open. Is this a smart move by the Vikings? Eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. I know you and Collar dove into and in, in for all kinds of Viking stuff. I'd love to go back to the two fifteen yard penalties. Oh yeah, yeah. That's... From that game against the Jaguars, we talk about those when yep. we come back. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Wetmore will join us to talk Twins and Miguel Sano. When we watch sports in this studio, it's always on a TCL TV. Rumor has it we're going to have like a wall of TCL TVs in here pretty soon. It's just going to be, we're, we're not even going to be able to speak coherently. Not that we do on a regular basis anyways, but we're going to be staring at 4K picture quality all throughout the room. Um, it is incredible. Like we're watching some NFL highlights right now on SportsCenter and you can see blades of grass. It's, if, if you haven't stood in front of a TCL TV at a major local retailer in the Twin Cities, uh, you're you're missing out. You're going to find out exactly what the difference is. You can also just go to Google or any search engine and search for TCL reviews, and you're going to find publications like CNET and USA Today raving about the quality and all the different streaming options. Last night, I was watching WWE SummerSlam through the built-in Roku device. No extra cords, no cables, built-in connectivity to 4,000-plus streaming channels. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. TCL.
us for Hubbard Broadcasting Day at the Minnesota State Fair. Hubbard will be taking over Dan Patch Park Saturday, August 25th, and 1500 ESPN will be on stage from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Judd and Matthew Collar kick it off with a live edition of Saturday Sports Talk. Afterwards, Phil Mackey takes the stage with Jumpin' Jim Brunzel from noon to 1. Then, finally, a live edition of The Beer Show with Reavers and Fradloni rounds out the day. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. You know, when, after I looked at it, after I calmed down a little bit, I, I looked at it, and he was his head was to the side, and he was going to the side, and if he had just rolled, it'd been, he, but he, he kind of pumped him into the turf. So I actually think that was a good call. Okay, who brainwashed Mike Zimmer, Judd? All right, so here's my dime store theory on this. Uh, give, given the quotes we've seen from coaches around the league so far in the preseason re- regarding that rule emphasis and also the helmet rule where you can't put your head down now. Uh, the league clearly went to these coaches and said, we're going to get it right, but it's going to take time. So in the preseason, do not rip us. Or you'll or you'll be fined. What gives you confidence? I don't disagree with what you just said. What gives you confidence that they're just working out the kinks? Man, we just got to figure out what we're looking at now and make sure that... How, how are they going to not screw this up week one or in the Super Bowl? That's not a penalty. Even by definition. I know. His knee was on the ground. Half of his body was on the ground as he was dragging the quarterback down. And for Mike Zimmer to have looked at it again, Mike Zimmer was brainwashed between he's the end nice. of the game and the podium. Yeah, he's being nice. Anton um, Williams is the linebacker in question here. And it's it's a highlight clip that was just on ESPN2. It's all over the internet. And it's just being made fun of. And this is where football has put itself. And I'll, I'll loop the other. It wasn't quite as absurd. The first 15-yard penalty that I looked at sideways when C.J. Ham caught a pass. And it was a Jaguars defensive back. That lowered his head. He was going for a standard tackle, and CJ Ham kind of changed directions, and they just ran into each other, and mm-hmm. and it wound up being that the Jaguars defensive back was leading with his helmet, and mm-hmm. he was trying to lead with his shoulder pad, but CJ Ham kind of shifted on him, and, and that's people, like that's a fifteen yard penalty, and that's been the problem for a few years with, with that rule, and now it's going to be called more, which is people with the ball often shift their body at the last second. And so yes. if, I, if I'm a defender, I can have the best of intentions. But if you put your, your head down now, what's going to become really intriguing there is the rule now states, and this will be called, if I'm a running back and I lower my helmet, that's a 15-yard penalty on me. So the old I'm going to bulldoze through the line, that's gone too. Is it outside the tackle box only? Or if you're running I got to look middle. at what they said now because if you're they've diving tweaked over the it middle. again. They've tweaked it again. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Collar, so Collar and Seifert are more along the, along the lines of let's all calm down and they'll get this right. I think it's going to take time, and I think week one's going to be a gong show. I think week one's going to be a total mess. And to be very clear, and I said this before, Sean Hockley likes to open his mic too much like the old man did. So that was annoying. That was annoying. (laughs) But I don't fault these officials. You now know why four veteran officials after last year said, peace out, I'm done, I can't do this. Um, Including Sean's dad. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But how do these guys have a chance? Like, how do they have a chance to get this right when you're supposed to call that? Because I don't, the Williams call to me is ridiculous. But if I'm an official, and all offseason long I've been hammered with, we can't have quarterbacks being hurt. If it's close, call it. I'm going to throw the flag, too. How are you? It's it's already hard enough as a defensive player. All the things you have to worry about, right? Okay, if there's a defenseless receiver, i got to make sure that, okay, does he have the ball? Does he not, for one? Because if he doesn't have the ball, I can't hit him at all. So I have to, I have to be looking. Correct. I can't just be looking at the guy that I'm targeting. I have to be watching if he caught the ball or not, or I have to pump the brakes, which is hard enough. Mm-hmm. 
And then, okay, where is he in the air and, and what, what angle is he coming down as he catches it so that I'm not hitting him in the chin area or the helmet area? Like, I'm doing calculus while he's in the air, and I'm doing math, even though I skipped all my college classes to work on football. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's one whole area of rules. Mm-hmm. And Okay, so I can't hit a quarterback below the thighs or above the chest. But now, even if I hit him right in the waist and make a textbook tackle like Antoine Williams did, man, if if 80% of my body weight lands on top of him, even though it didn't and I still get flagged, like, what do you... Sp- and I'm rolling off. Why would I ever want to play defense well, as a football player? Okay. All right. So I think, and I'm, and I'm not being a jokester here, I think we're getting very close with quarterbacks where if they're in the pocket, it's going to become some type of, I touch him, I tap him, he's down. Man. And I hate to say that, but, but 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 how if you're if you're a defender, like the ultimate goal here, and I get the goal, the quarterback goal, I totally understand. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, the league becomes much worse. So the, so the desire to protect, especially the upper echelon ones, I get it, and it, I agree it's a with fin- that, and you agree with that, and it's a financial decision. And you're right. If I'm a, a Viking fan and Rodgers gets hurt, I might be happy. But if I sit down to watch a Sunday night game, and now it's Hunley against Brady, I'm going to say this is not fun to watch. So I think we're getting very close to some type of flag football. I don't know what you do, but the Williams Williams call was an awful call, but what are the officials supposed to do? And and at some point in time, the league just got to say, when it comes to quarterback safety, we're going to go to something where they're declared down. But why does why does Mike Zimmer Mike Zimmer is one of the most defiant and defensive minded coaches in the NFL? And he flipped out when that call was initially made. So why does he say this when the game is over? You know, when after I looked at it, after I calmed down a little bit, I I looked at it and he was his head was to the side and he was going to the side. And if he had just rolled, it'd been he, but he he kind of pumped him into the turf. So I actually think that was a good call. So this is where like that comment throws me off even more because it would be one thing if. Everybody involved, including the officials, came out and said, you know what? Yeah, we jumped the shark a little bit on that one. That was not the right interpretation of the rule book. But it sounds like, and I don't know if the officials, if, if any, if, was there a pool reporter that asked the officials? No. I have not seen a quote from the officials. There was not. There was not. But if, if Mike Zimmer is saying after talking to people, yeah, that actually was the correct interpretation of the rule. That yep. scares me as a football fan because Antoine Williams did everything he could to move his head to the side to put both knees on the ground and drag the quarterback down. And as he was dragging the quarterback down, part of his body fell on top of him because, yes, there are 500 pounds of human being flesh falling to the ground. You're going to fall on him to some extent. Yep. How can that be a penalty and then us continue forward with quarterback sacks as a thing? How are you supposed to sack a quarterback? And I get it. I'm with you. I want Aaron Rodgers to be healthy. Or maybe if in Vikings land, maybe we'll say, I want Tom Brady to be healthy. I want Russell Wilson to or be Kirk healthy. Cousins. Kirk Cousins to be healthy. How about right. that? But I also want quarterback sacks. I want Daniil Hunter, who's a 250-pound machine, to be able to sack a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Everson Griffin. I want those things to happen. If that Antoine Williams play isn't a clean tackle, I don't know how you're supposed to tackle a quarterback. I think, Zim, I, I think you would have been more at ease, and I think what he probably should have said was they're going to get it right, which I don't believe. But he he was going over the top. To make it clear, one, I don't want to be fined, and two, it's preseason, and if this, if that same call is made in week six, he's going to go ballistic, and he's not going to hide it. Uh, but I mean, this comes down to I saw there was a play in the Lions Giants game on Friday night. 
The linebacker is rushing, and he's coming in, and he lowers his head to rush, though, right? So he comes in there, and I believe they got a sack. They threw a flag, and they called a 15-yard penalty because he lowered his head. On an offensive lineman. On an offensive lineman, correct. Oh, my God. And what Pat Shermer said was, basically said, I'm not going to talk about it. We are going to send it. We're going to send that tape in. The league is going to explain to us what we can and can't do. I think that's where we're at. And I think the hope is it gets cleaned up or cleared up. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think weeks one through four have the potential to be awful. Man, six. and and by the way, too, here's here's a secondary question I've got. What points of <laughs> emphasis from the past few years are they going to not throw flags on, on as much? Because you could now throw a flag every single. We could be at a football game forever. Like if they're if they're going to throw every flag from points of emphasis from the past three years, you're going to have a flag almost every play. Yeah, six five one six four six eight two five five. Mike, you're on the Mackie and Judd show. Hey guys, I know I've been talking to my buddies about this all weekend. Um, you know, I think Zim walked it back a little bit, probably because he was encouraged to by whoever it might have been. But um, what's going to happen if they start doing this touch football thing like you alluded to with quarterbacks is a lot of unintended consequences is going to kick in. And we're going to have some guy like Drew Brees who was able to escape the grasp and make a pass, but to have it blown dead, then we're going to get complaints from the opposite side. So this could be a big can of worms, man. It is. Mike, yeah. I, if you're a football fan, I think you can appreciate – the league wanting to get rid of head trauma and wanting to get rid of injured quarterbacks as much as possible. Like just, I think we all agree football is more fun when, when the best quarterbacks are on the field and when guys aren't dying early because of brain damage and CTE, right? Mm-hmm. But to a certain extent, football is a contact tackle sport. And they're trying to draw these lines that are either A, almost impossible to police, or B, that just changed the entire dynamic of the football, you know, realm as we know it. Yeah. So either make it so that you can't tackle a quarterback, which I'm sure that would alienate a lot of fans. Yep. Get rid of helmets, which is another option. I know that's been talked about for the last probably five years as well. If you really want to get rid of, you're going to, you want to incentivize, incentivize guys to not deliver headshots, get rid of the helmets and they'll find new ways to tackle each other. But if that's going to be a penalty on Antoine Williams or whoever... And the helmet rule is going to be a complete pain. Yeah. It's going to be... The the sack rule is going to rear its head a few times. The helmet rule, I think, is consistently going to be a problem. And I don't see how it gets cleaned up for week one. I just don't. These no. guys have been... These officials have been encouraged all all throughout the summer that if you see something and there's... And, and this the one thing that I just don't get at all is... Why on earth, if you have the ability to eject, can't you go do what they do in college and at least look? I mean, some mm-hmm. some prominent player is going to get tossed, and it's going to be a very borderline to bad call. Mm-hmm. And instead of being able to go and say, you know what, okay, it's still a penalty, but but he did not deserve to be ejected. A team is going to lose that player, potentially lose the game because of that, because they didn't put in a rule that allowed them to at least review that. Yeah, can you imagine if that Antoine Williams play happened in the fourth quarter, if if that was a starting player, and that that happens, and you can't can't review it? I got one for you. First quarter, Green Bay. Harrison Smith, weird play, it ends up a helmet-to-helmet hit. He's ejected. And it ends up being borderline. Mm-hmm. And he's gone for the entire game. Harrison Smith, who just spoke with reporters at the practice facility, 
He said, uh, this is from John Krasinski from The Athletic. He says he knows and understands the league's push for player safety, quote, but it's a little over the top right now. (laughs) Uh, I don't fear it. It's going to happen. It's going to change games, is what he said. It will. It's going to change games. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Derek Wetmore is going to come in here when we come back here. Some twin stuff to get to, including, I would say, the best pitching prospect the Twins have that hasn't yet pitched in the Major League is going to make his Major League debut. We can talk about that and other things. Mackie and Judd. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. That's the worst idea you've ever had. You've had some bad ideas. That's the worst one. <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Talking twins. Now, with 1500ESPN.com senior web editor and resident seam head Derek Wetmore, presented by the Canopy Group for the best insurance coverage at the absolute best price. All right, Wetmore, you can find his twins coverage at 1500ESPN.com, our Touch Em All podcast feed, where we have all kinds of stuff. He does Friday fireside Facebook chats. Sometimes by the fireside, Probably most FDR of the time like. not by the fireside. Just yeah, I don't think I've ever had a fire. Fi- how about fish tank? Friday fish tank. Definitely chats. some fish tanks involved. Yes. Yep. Fireside yep. sounds cool though. That's a little. Too I like warm that. Out, no. I think the bit's been done. Well, I sure mean, it has, but it sounds fish, very prestigious. No one's the fish tank talks though. That's <laughs> exactly right. Way different. Cornering the market. So, what do we know about? I think fans have heard about Stephen Gonsalves as he's come up through the system, left-hander, and he's going to make his Twins a major league debut here. I could see one of two reactions from fans. One being, oh, excitement. This is maybe the best Twins pitching prospect that hasn't yet surfaced in the major leagues. You could debate that. But I could also see another point of view of, well, how many failed flame-out prospects do we have to see come up here and get excited about only to be disappointed, right? So with all that said, your thoughts on Steven Gonsalves? You should be excited about Steven Gonsalves. He's a potential difference-making starting pitcher over the next five, six years, and now is the first chance we get to really see him against major league hitters. I've seen him a couple times in spring training. So he's a big dude. He's tall. Every but he's not muscular tall. He's tall. He's like um, I don't know, more like Kyle Gibson, I guess. He wouldn't be like Michael Pineda, this huge mountain of mass. He's just he's a tall pitcher. Lefty, four pitches. Fastball's like 89, 90, 91. So That's what Jake said. He's, you're not going to see super, super hard throw. He doesn't overpower yeah. anybody. And I don't think you're going to be wowed by his stuff in his first start. Now he might go out and have a successful debut. That, that'd be good news for the Twins because here's a guy who could play into the plans in 2019 as early as opening day saying, yeah, you're our third, fourth, fifth starter, depending how the winner goes. I think what you're going to see from Gonsalves is trying to manage the game. He's going to try to throw as many strikes as possible because he had a bad run in Rochester where he was walking the park. Mm -hmm. And that's really what kept him from making this debut any sooner. I mean, if he was pitching as well as he had over the last month, he's probably in that line of Fernando Romero, Zach Littell, guys who've already been up and made their major league debut. But this one's one that you can actually be excited about. When you look at his numbers in the minor leagues, he's not going to wow you with the stuff, but if he gets through... You know, five weeks here of good outings starting with tonight. I think that's a good sign for the Twins going forward. Starting with him, Derek, give me the list of guys that, that you are most eager to see when, when they start to call guys up on September 1 who are going to run through here. What's so, that list like? 
Byron Buxton is number one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah, that's very fair. Yep. Stephen Gonsalves, Fernando Romero as a starter or as a reliever. Yep. I'd actually kind of like to see him as a reliever. Jake DePew said they might shut him down, though. Yep, that's possible. There's going to be some innings things because of the injury history he has. I know they did that last year where they were very, very cognizant of his innings. But look, the way I look at it is you can pick an arbitrary number at the beginning of the season if you want to and say we're sticking to this no matter what. Or... You can have a ballpark idea of where you want a guy to land and then assess it present day. Say, okay, yeah, we thought he was getting up towards that innings count, but he still looks good. He still looks fresh. Life on his pitches. The fastball velocity is still there. He's getting deep into games. Okay, that's fine. Why I'd like to look at him as a reliever this year is just to see if he can do it. It helps control the innings, but for next year, if you're looking at a starting rotation and you think you feel pretty good about your top five, six, seven, and Romero's just kind of on that fringe, look, we saw we, he can get big league hitters out. So I'm curious to know, is he a multi-inning reliever candidate going forward? You start to build a bullpen around Fernando Romero, Trevor May, Trevor Hildenberger, Taylor Rogers. Suddenly that starts to get a little interesting. So there's a number of names on that list, Judd, who are... They're not nearly as interesting to me as Buxton, but are going to be interesting to the Twins and are going to be auditioning here at the end of August, early September for what their role could be next year. Yeah, the guy, okay, Tyler Austin is, and he's already up, It's and he's 26 years old. He's not really a prospect. He's been up with the Yankees, and he was their starting first baseman to start the year. But this is the first time that I've been able to watch him game after game. He definitely has a little Josh Willingham to him and that he's going to he's going to have a pretty low batting average and strike out but he can hit 30 home runs in a year if you run him out there. I think he has a chance to at least be in consideration for a DH/starting first baseman role going forward for the next couple of years and it shocks me that the Twins were able to get someone like him who could be an everyday yes. guy as just a throw-in from the Yankees. Yeah. I think the Yankees were loaded. And ready to just move on. He, he's like, he's their example, a version they of... they got Lance Lynn. Come on, guys. What are you yeah. talking about? I mean, like, I mean Lance like, Lynn's a bleeping ace these Is days. Lance Lynn going to... I mean, it's not like they have the, the best rotation after Luis Severino, but Severino and Sabathia, for sure, starting in the playoffs for them. is It's possible they traded a starting caliber DH or first baseman for a patchwork pitcher, rent-a-pitcher, and Lance Lynn, who might not make a playoff start for them. Maybe. And they have a wild-card game. They're not going to catch Boston. Plus, the so Twins... He might not even pitch in the postseason. The Twins got uh, another prospect thrown in that deal that I think actually could be interesting, Rio. I think Austin is an interesting case because he might just be a little bit better version of Kenny's Vargas, honestly. Like, he might be the Yankees' version of Vargas, which is beat up on AAA pitching, great, 30-homer pop, but here's the secret... A lot of guys have 30 homer pop these days. Yes. I mean, there are so many players that you could say that exact statement about. If you give him 600 plate appearances in the big leagues, he's going to hit 25 or 30 bombs. Great. What more can you do? Can you still get on base? Do you play your position? I haven't been that impressed with Austin defensively, but we're talking about first base. Yeah. So not a huge not a huge component there. It's a good trade, though. Absolutely. I mean, if if I've got Lance Lynn, who we who we I think it was hypothesized. Yeah, I, I was going to say a month before he he was traded, we all thought you can't trade him. You might have to DFA him. So now, if if you're going to give me two guys, yes, if they make it, fantastic. But I do I do like the fact that this guy does have some pop, and and we've seen it immediately. And so at least there's a fighting chance that, yeah. that, that you take him to spring training and he could amount to something. And you're probably more encouraged about his future, 2019, 2020, than you would have been about Logan Morrison. Obviously, Morrison getting hurt frees up a little plate appearance time, frees up some first base. 
And you look at the totality of his season now, and you're not exactly racing to pick up that team option for 2019 on Morrison's contract. So you figure out what happens with Joe Maurer, whatever that's going to be. That's going to impact Tyler Austin's future with the Twins. But in the meantime, let him hit some home runs. Mm -hmm. Let him get comfortable in the big leagues. Let him finally get an extended stretch where he's getting plate appearances, getting defensive innings at first base. And this is audition time for him, too. There, there are at least a dozen guys that I could say, what you're doing right now will impact opening day 2019 and your employment status. Yeah. So go ahead. Go put your resume out there. Show the Twins what you can do. And Austin's one of those guys. I mean, he's not the only one, but that's going to be a really interesting position for the Twins in 2019. Do you guys have any theories? You brought up Lomo. So Lomo has this breakout season with the Rays last year, and it took him it took him six or seven full or partial years as being a big leaguer to to kind of figure out okay this is how you put it together and hit thirty eight home runs in a season. Yeah, and I loved the signing at the time. I still don't think the Twins should regret the signing because it looked like a guy who had turned the corner, who had found another gear, and who was going to come back and and be a good productive power hitter for the Twins. And as it turns out. He's basically having the same season, if not a little worse, than every other year of his career. It's going to be that 2017 was the blip on the radar and everything else is is what Logan Morrison is. Do we have any theories as to why? Like, why wasn't he able to carry over? And it can't just be, well, look how they shift him. They were shifting him that way last year, too. It's not like, oh, man, this guy... Well, he only he pulls the ball. We just found that out after eight years of him being yeah, in the major I leagues, think right? I think it's very simple. It's a word that you both use a lot. Regression. I think he is. I think he had a pop up here, and and he played in a home ballpark in Tampa where the ball flies out. I believe quite a bit. I'm not sure what the splits were. Uh, the point being is, I think he. I think he is who, who he is. He you had think one he's regressing fan. to the mean. Yeah. Well, and I also think this. I think the that is why he uh, stayed on the market for so long because most teams said hmm. if we had to weigh if we had to weigh this. He's probably going to go back to being the player he was pre-2017. Judd's right. I think there's another part of it, too. I think regression is a big part of what you saw. I, I don't think the Twins signed him and said, 38 bombs at DH. I think they signed him and were like, all right, there's a 25-homer hitter, and he might maybe, actually, maybe 35. Is he coming Like, is he coming back no, at some no, point? He's, he's, just, he's just done. I think that's it. I, he's I still around the, the clubhouse. Today, right? Uh, I think he, I'd he have to check on that. Going to have it today. Yeah. You know, he's still around the clubhouse, and I see him, but I don't think that there's any expectation that he gets appreciable number of plate appearances the rest of the In way. In fairness, he was on pace for 25 home runs. There you go. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. pace. So there are two things. Yeah. One is the regression that Judd talked about. You go from 38 down to 25 or 30 or whatever, and that's about what you expect. The shift is definitely one of them. If you look at sort of the underlying numbers, Logan Morrison's made a lot better contact, a lot louder contact, more line drives, fly balls quality plate appearances that resulted in outs a lot of times. That's only good for so much. You know, you don't win games based on expected weighted on base average, but I'm just saying Logan Morrison hit better than what his final numbers look like. So you got to give him that. The third thing too is not only was it a regression season, but the bottom fell out on that regression. He got hurt. It wasn't good. DH first base. I think he's overmatched at first base defensively. So it's kind of like imagine being a baseball player and you're overmatched at first base defensively. Well, but hey, that he's a masher. <laughs> That's what he does. Like there are a lot of players like that, uh, and Logan Morrison was one of the better ones. He got a uh, one year deal with an option. He's overmatched at catching throws. He also came back 
at a really bad time. Like his pop-up season came right before the market froze. Yeah. And two of the biggest players were like, nah, we're not spending money this year. Yeah. And 10 teams were not trying to win. So like it, that was a really bad time for sort of that fringe big league and roster teams are smart guy. too. Yeah. I think he, there are a lot smart. of teams that looked at him and said, 38's not going to happen again. And then even the pessimistic projections have kind of been yeah, right in the right ballpark. They're right? gonna they're gonna buy him out after the season, and he will not get a major league contract. Write that down, prediction. He will not. He'll get a minor league contract. He, I I will predict right now forty home runs next season. Write <laughs> <laughs> down. You like writing things down? I'm not done though. Whoa! For the St. Paul Saints. Oh, oh geez. he's gonna okay. be great on the buses to wow. Sioux Falls. I was gonna say if the, if you guys are all hot runs. to trot about the Yankees needing a first baseman that can hit that short right field porch. Hey, don't laugh at the mountain. No, you. don't put that down. That's one of the greatest ideas well, on the show. I've oh. got a name for you, Logan Morrison, 2019. What say you? Man, I have a hot Irvin Santana take for you when we come back, Derek. Just brace yourself for it. Okay? I can't wait. Uh, Mackie and Judd, Wetmore from the Touch 'Em All podcast and from 1500ESPN.com. Right now on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, the annual clearance event is happening at Luther Brookdale Toyota, which means great deals for you on 2018 brand new vehicles. In fact, there are over 600 2018 new vehicles, all priced to move. As part of the national clearance event, $2,500 rebates, 0% APR financing on selected vehicles. The 2019s are knocking on the door. And so you get to take advantage, get into a brand new 2018. These RAV4s are some of the most popular and durable SUVs across the country. I prefer Camry Corollas right now. Uh, I drove a Camry for several years and I've been into a couple different models of Corollas here, the sport model with the sunroof. I'm in a 2016 right now, but I'm excited. I will leave my leases up next year uh, to see some of the new bells and whistles and technology. The end. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. All right. He's ready for this. Wetmore's in here. I'm actually, I'm turning myself in. I'm, I'm, I'm delivering this take in the hot take police department. So I've got my hands in the air. I've gone through the metal detector, the hot take metal detector, okay? I think the four-year contract Irvin Santana signed with the Twins has been a disappointment. I think if you would have said at the beginning, he's going to have two really good regular seasons out of four. The other two years are going to be essentially useless to you. One is going to be uh, injuries and out for almost the whole year, and the five starts he did make were a disaster. And then the first splash out of the gate was going to be an 80-game steroid suspension, where even if you did make the postseason, he wouldn't have been eligible. And oh, by the way, you missed the postseason by three games that year, and so if you would have had a number 1 caliber starting pitcher like you had the other two regular seasons to follow, you may have made the playoffs that year. And in the most important game he played for you, he was atrocious and had to be removed after like 20 minutes. Hmm. So it wasn't a complete Carl Pavano with the Yankees debacle on that four-year contract from 10 years ago, but I think it's been an overall disappointment now that we've had the full picture here. So... Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm glad you're at the station because not only do I think you're wrong, I don't know how you could think that. 
Wow. I don't know how so you So you're okay think. throwing away two years of a four-year contract. Four years, $55 million for a top-of-the-rotation caliber starter. Knowing where you came from and where he's gotten you to, I think was absolutely worth the investment. And I get questioning it, but I don't think there's any question that this money was wor- worth it. Money well spent on Irvin Santana. I'll grant you everything you said, bad. Steroid suspension, no postseason success, two bad years, and bad in quotes because that first year was bad because of the suspension. This year, a disaster. The postseason start, a disaster. And both of those, by the way, injury. Injury. So that happens to starting pitchers. You know you're rolling the dice anytime you sign some kind of a big contract. Look at you, Darvish. You're always wondering. Does he deserve to be ripped, though, for this finger thing that, clearly wasn't dealt with or addressed either on the Twins' end or on Irvin's end. It bothered him last year, is yeah. what the word was. Right. And all of a sudden, in March now, oh, surgery in March? Well, right. what about November? I what have, about December? I have a big problem with it, and I think that the Twins deserve equal blame. Until we find out that the Twins recommended surgery and Irvin said, nah, I think both parties are guilty here because the idea was, Phil, they were going to rest. They were going to wait, give it a couple months off. I hate that. Irvin's got the... I know you do. I hate <laughs> I know that. You do. This that is going to set you off. Surgery works. out of the womb for Irvin's, everyone. That never works. Irvin's this like, tall, skinny, wiry guy, and you should see his hands. You know how everyone talks about Adrian Peterson's handshake? I don't know what it would be like to shake Irvin Santana's hand because his fingers could wrap twice around my small hands. <laughs> he just has these big, long fingers so, that helps him with the changeup, helps him with the slider, and you're talking last postseason wasn't there and they were going to wait and say hopefully rest cures this thing it's going to feel good come into spring training as he starts to ramp it up in the spring it just wasn't there and he went under the knife so to, to put this as simple as possible i think what you can safely say is he was here he's going to end up ha- having been here for three years basically and he had one good year yeah yeah one well no he, he had two really good regular seasons yep he had two really good regular seasons. Yep, sixteen. But, he was good on a bad team. Seventeen. He was the ace. Yeah, of but, a playoff si- but 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 six, sixteen. Sixteen. I don't give him because he what? got himself pinched. He had a th- no no fifteen. He got pinched. Oh, f- fifteen. F- fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Pinched. Okay, so, sixteen. He was great. Okay, so on a he bad had two team. good. Okay, yep. he had a three and a half. Okay. He had a three point three eighty ERA in sixteen, 16 and a three point two eighty ERA in seventeen. Um, so he he had two really good regular seasons. Overall, he gave you an average of one hundred thirty one innings. If you add up the four seasons, mm-hmm. and and he and, and he fulfilled two regular seasons out of four to what you would hope and expect, and even exceeded, I would say, in those two regular yeah, seasons, absolutely. But all the other stuff around it is really hard to swallow. I wouldn't go back and change it. I think it's the right move to sign guys like him. I think you have to spend money in free agency to supplement the rest of your roster. So I wouldn't be gun shy ever again. I wouldn't be gun shy after the Logan Morris and Lance Lynn signings either. No. But you know, it's 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 disappointing when. You hope for four years out of a guy. He gives you two. And then in the most important game, he does nothing for you. Yes. But Irvin Santana was more than worth it in my book for the four years with the Twins. And we're also assuming they're not going to pick up the option. I think that's pretty safe to yeah, say. This... $14 million for next year he's, for a 36-year-old pitcher. what he said about pitcher, the front office, too. He's done. Like, okay. No, thanks. Yeah, he, right. He's done. I think we've seen the last start of Irvin Santana's Twins career. Yes. And okay. I'm still good with it. There's the numbers that you're talking about, Phil. we got to go another layer here, though. He makes the postseason start, and no one questioned that. It sucks that he got hurt, but that's what happens to pitchers. Like, pitcher injury is just part of a contract. You know when you sign that guy. When Ricky Nolasco sits down at the table and says, like, happy to be a twin, you know there's a 50% chance it's not going to work out because of injuries. Yep. Then there's the risk that are involved in other parts of the things. 
steroid suspension, for example, or just like sour pants in the clubhouse. All of those things factor Did into you just say the sour risk. Pants? Yeah, I didn't know if you could say the other thing. So the other point, How about jackass. The other point that you guys aren't giving <laughs> him credit for. Thank you. This needs to be said about Irvin Santana. I think Jose Barrios' development as a professional and as a starting pitcher in the big leagues has a lot to do with Irvin Santana and how he carries himself. If you're going to give him Doc for you weren't ready when we needed you in the biggest game of your Twins career, I think you also have to give him the plus for whatever percent. Look, Barrios is a talented guy. He was going to figure it out anyways. There was always a big league pitcher in there. But you took this from sort of a shaken young kid Pitcher pitching over his head in the big leagues to a demonstrable ace at the top of a good big league rotation. And for that, Irvin Santana deserves a little credit. I would pay a ton of money for that on the open market, and you can't go just buy that. So for whatever mentorship role he had there, I think that more than washes away whatever questions you have about his contract. And then the numbers, if we're being honest— we're really good for two of the four seasons. Uh, and he's showing great leadership right now by throwing the front office under the bus instead of maybe the players just owning and I will the say fact this for that him. they haven't played well this he year. Will, yeah. He will come dirt cheap this winter. If you uh, Guys if you, like him are not going to get For paid. another team. I think yeah. it would no, be hard here. to imagine them buying him out and then him coming back no, for he's not less come money. Back here. I'm, just say, I'm just saying he's going to sit there for quite a while. If, if he has any expectation of yeah. getting a decent contract... He'll go into spring training without a job. I think the market will be better this year, but he still might be a minor league prove-it guy, possibly. I'm just saying, for his clubhouse contribution and two great seasons with the Twins, Irvin Santana, tip of the cap. Probably the end of an era, but it was a good run with the Twins while it lasted. At least it was better than the Ricky Nolasco contract, because I don't know if Ricky Nolasco rubbed and off that, on any of the young pitchers, oh, or maybe is. he did in a negative Muscle way. cars? I mean, everything with Ricky was great. Cars. Yeah, I'm not sure you guys are setting the bar awfully high with that one. <laughs> the all-time meathead of, of the Twins pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, Fine Wetmore, speaking of meatheads, at 1500ESPN.com, he's the opposite of a meathead. You're like a veggie head or something. Bye, Cranky Pants. Appreciate head. that. Uh, touch them all podcast. Murph, what do you got for us in questions when we come back? Well, actually, Lindsay and I are tag teaming questions next, and she's going to see, she's going to try her best to see if she can Wally pit me. All right. We have co producers today, Lindsay and James Murphy, when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on 1500 ESPN.